praise to God. And now we come to that part of our Thanksgiving service where we take time to listen to God. And we turn to Psalm 95. And the Psalms are kind of found in the middle of your paper Bibles that are in your pews. It's Psalm 95. It's a whole list of 150 different songs and poems that have been written to help the people worship. You can also find it on your phone, on the Bible app, um, tablets. Uh, we are so blessed in how we're able to access the Word of God now. Uh, technology can be amazing in many ways. So Psalm 95. We believe it's written by King David. King David calls us to Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth. The mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it. And his hands form the dry land. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. For he is our God and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Today, if only you would hear his voice. Do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah, as you did that day at Massah in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested me. They tried me though they had seen what I did. For 40 years I was angry with that generation. I said, there are people whose hearts go astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. The word of the Lord. Father, thank you that you've called us to worship you on this day, this day of Thanksgiving, a day to focus on just Focusing on you. Focusing on the blessing that you are. So Lord, may this time of worship, may it shape us and form us more and more into a people of gratitude. A people of thanksgiving. And Lord, as we, as we dig deep into, into this psalm, Lord, I, I pray that the words that shall be spoken next, Lord, may they be your words and not mine. We pray this in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Hmm, today is Thanksgiving Day here in Canada. A day set aside not by the church, but set aside by the government of Canada to stop and remember to give thanks after harvest time, to give thanks for all the food and, and to give thanks for all the things we just gave prayers of thanksgiving for. And I always wonder, who are we supposed to be giving thanks to? Do we give thanks to all the people who did all the hard work, to the farmers and the business people and, and to the gardeners? And do we give thanks to ourselves because we did so much? Or always strange to me that we're here on a Monday morning because the government says you have to give thanks. But they never say who to give thanks to. 
According to the Canadian Encyclopedia, the first official Thanksgiving in Canada was celebrated on the 6th of November, 1879. Though indigenous people in Canada have a history of celebrating the fall harvest that predates the arrival even of the European settlers. Sir Martin Frobisher and his crew are credited as the first Europeans to celebrate a Thanksgiving ceremony in North America in 1578. They were followed by the inhabitants of New France under Samuel de Champlain in 1606. The celebration featured a uniquely North American turkey, squash, and pumpkin. It was introduced to Nova Scotia in the 1750s and became common across Canada by the 1870s. But it's not until 1957 that Thanksgiving was proclaimed an annual event to occur on the second Monday of October. Now I am sure that those who said we need to take a time to give thanks did have the Christian the biblical feasts of thanksgiving in mind. Because the Bible actually gives us two days to give thanks, kind of connected to the harvest time. There is a feast of first fruits. So as soon as your first stuff comes out of the garden or out of the fields or, or from the trees or the vineyards, you're supposed to take that first, very first picking and bring it to the Lord. And then the priests would take it and they would use it to help those who are poor, those who are going hungry, the widow, the orphan, and the foreigner who wasn't able to have land and grow their own food. And then at the end of the harvest season, the Feast of Pentecost, 50 days, the day we're given the gift of the Holy Spirit later on in the New Testament, God once again calls the people to come and give thanks. To give thanks to him for the provision, for all the food, for, for the rain at the right time, for, for the soil conditions, for all the fruit and all the food. And it wasn't con- based on whether the rain even came at the right time. It wasn't even based on whether or not it was a famine year. God says, you come on this day, and for whatever I have given you, you give thanks. Crops that produce food are important. They're so important. That's why I always love serving in an agricultural setting where where people are a little bit closer to the earth, a little bit closer to, to that production of food. Because it's important for our health and our strength. And that's why God calls us to give thanks for it, for those who work for it. I was just watching a news article on, on how people today, because this food has become so expensive that they're relying on you know, food banks, but they're relying on dollar store food and, and how so much of that canned food you know, so filled with salt and, and, and other preservatives and that and, and how it's so hard to eat healthy food when times are difficult. And it just reminds me more and more of the importance of the agricultural community and, and the gifts that people have from their gardens that they bring to the food banks 
so that people might not just have full stomachs, but that their bodies might truly be nourished. For the Israelites, these feasts called for the entire nation coming together to celebrate God's goodness. And those feasts are the closest things, closest celebrations to the Thanksgiving that we celebrate here in Canada when we as a nation thank God for our blessings in the harvest. And Psalm 95 calls us to sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving. And there's that imagery of, of being the creator and being the one in control. And beautiful images here of who God is in the first part of the psalm. That lead us to praise God. Scott Jose points out metaphors for God as a rock, as a king, as a shepherd, are, are lyric and lovely. God's redemptive desire is played out against his mighty power as a creator of all the world and as the one who is so awesome that he holds whole mountain ranges in the palm of his hand. And so we're called to approach God with, with joy, a spirit of celebration because of who God is. This psalm is all about who God is, not about what we get from God. Thanksgiving happens because of who God is, not because of what we get from him. The sole exception is that God is the rock of our salvation, that God as our God works to save us. The context for this psalm is, is the exodus out of Egypt, out of slavery and of freedom, so they can come to God and worship him. If you remember the story, the exodus of Israel out of Egypt, the reason for Israel to go to the wilderness was so they could worship their God away from the temples and, and the influences of the idol worship in Egypt, to worship with a spirit of joy and celebration rather than in fear, rather than in slavery. And so often, as you hear and you learn from the Jewish rabbis, while they were in slavery in Egypt, many of them had to worship quietly and in their own homes because they didn't want to be persecuted even more by their Egyptian slave masters. In this psalm, our creator God calls us to come to his place, to bow down and worship and kneel before the Lord, our maker. And we do this because we're his people. He's claimed us as his. And he cares for us. He protects us. He provides for us as a shepherd cares for, provides for, and protects his flock. We come free from our slavery to sin, filled with the joy that once we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we're freed from our sin, from all those chains of our, of our old life. And we can, we can cast those chains off and say, that doesn't define who I am. I am defined by who God is who Jesus is, who the Holy Spirit is. And we're freed into a life of joy dedicated to our Lord. That's why we're here this morning, to worship and praise our Creator, our Good Shepherd, our Savior and Redeemer. And yet the psalm, I know it's strange on the Thanksgiving to focus on this psalm, 
But even on a day when we come to praise and worship our God, we're called to be honest with ourselves and admit that there's often tension between our praise and worship of God and wanting to do things our way, to want more than he has given us in his generosity and grace, to want different sometimes than what he's given us. And the psalmist is honest enough to remember the times of selfishness and grumbling to God, even right after he brought them out of slavery and destroyed their enemies right before their very eyes. Psalmist reminds the people that instead of worshiping the rock of their salvation, they complained. Don't harden your hearts as you did at Meribah, as you did that day at Massa in the wilderness. Where your ancestors tested me, they tried me, though they had seen what I did. For 40 years, I was angry with that generation. I said, there are people whose heart go astray. They've not known my ways. This fall, this really hit home to me. Because for many different reasons going on in in our lives right now, it's been really easy to complain. It's been really easy to, to allow bitterness and to allow some anger and to allow some frustration to kind of shape my heart and my soul and my mind. And there were weeks where I'd forgotten to focus on God's blessing, on God's grace, on God's goodness. It is so easy to slip into that way of thinking, into that way of being. This is why we need to remind ourselves of who God is. Our praise and worship, our thanksgiving, isn't based on what he gives us. Though even when he gives us difficult, frustrating times, he gives them to us so that he, it will shape us. And it will force us to look more and more to him and less and less to ourselves. So the psalm reflects on who we really are. We love to praise and worship God. We do. We love to give thanks to him and to see God for who he is. That's why we come most Sunday mornings here to gather together and worship. And it's easy and wonderful to be able to, to worship together. However, after worship, and sometimes even during worship, Tension can slip into our hearts and small questions of doubt can creep in and, and we can begin to wonder if God can really be trusted, if he will really give us what we're looking for. And we get tempted to look backwards rather than to right now and forwards. And like Israel, to wonder if it wouldn't be easier to simply go back to Egypt and where the watermelons tasted so good. The breezes of the, of the Nile cooled a person down when it was hot and sticky. Like Adam and Eve, we begin to think about what we don't have, what God hasn't given us, instead of how he has blessed us and is with us. And in the words of Jesus in Matthew 15, can begin to sting. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain and their teachings are merely human rules. That's why we have to go back to the beginning of this psalm again. 
Because this psalm is a call to live fully with and for God in the spirit of thanksgiving and gratitude. We worship God. We give thanks to Jesus. We show appreciation for the presence of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and lives. Not for what we get from God, but for who God truly is. We move forward in life together in and with grace, God's grace. The grace of God is found in his presence with us, in our sin, failures, and fears, knowing he never abandons us. In his grace in choosing us as his children. In the grace found in Jesus and how he reconciled us to God our creator and father through his loving sacrifice on the cross. In the grace of the gift of the Holy Spirit living in us and who comforts us and keeps pointing us back to Jesus, reminding us of who God is. So this Thanksgiving, we give thanks for who God is. God of gods, creator and artist extraordinaire. If you've been driving anywhere in the last little while, you just marvel at the beauty that's all around us. We give thanks for a God who protects and cares for his sheep, who cares for his children. So may our praise ring in the heavens and throughout our community so that our God is praised in all places and in all ways for his glory. Amen. Father, thank you for reminding us that we give thanks to you not for what you give us, but for who you are. That you are God of gods. You're our creator, our provider, our savior. But you're also our father and you're our friend. And you are with us always. And Lord, you desire that we live in a spirit of gratitude, a spirit of thanksgiving, a spirit of hope, which leads to generosity, which leads to love of others. So Lord, may we be a people, a people of thanksgiving and gratitude. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.